Sharon Creelman is a former Olympic and national field hockey player, now a physical education teacher at Appleby College in Oakville, and she was born right here in Windsor. Join me, Drake Damore, as we talk to Sharon about her introduction to the sport, building a career in the game, and what she's doing now while incorporating field hockey. Hello, how you doing? It's Zach Kasky. Adam Enrique. Joe Siddle. Tom Crawford. Todd Warner. Brett Romberg. E.J. Laramie. And Holy Mackinac, you're listening to Wind City Sports. What up, everybody? My name is Jason Moore, and thank you for streaming or downloading this episode of the Wind City Sports Podcast, Windsor's only local sports radio show and podcast. The radio show airs live on CJAM 99.1 FM every Thursday at 12.30 and replays on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Even during this pandemic, you can check it out on cjam.ca. So you can listen to the Wind City Sports Podcast. Of course, we are listening to it right now or directly on windcitysports.com, Spotify, Apple Podcast or any other podcast platform. We also have our social medias at WinCity underscore sports on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and as well as our WinCity Sports YouTube channel. So give us a like, follow, subscribe, whatever it may be. We'll talk all about that at the end of the show as we normally do. But today is Thursday, April 30th, 2020, and it's episode 193 of WinCity Sports. And this week, we have an interview from pre-pandemic times, uh, so it's going to be a little bit of a different feel. Um, obviously, I don't ask our guests this week about the quarantine and what they're doing to keep busy, because this was done probably uh, close to two months ago now. Um, if you don't know, our guest this week is a former Olympic athlete who was born here in Windsor, spent a short time before moving away. It's Sharon Creeland. She is now a physical education teacher at Appleby College, a private school in Oakville, and back when this was going on, I wanted to kind of get back to what we did at the beginning of the show, in a sense, and talk to some athletes and builders, entrepreneurs, whatever it may be, in some more unique sports. So, of course, we've had a lot of hockey players on the show, both men and women, but we've never had a field hockey player. When learning that Sharon was from here in Windsor, an Olympic athlete, I thought, let's try and find where she is now. I thought it was even more interesting to find that she's a, a gym teacher, basically. Not to put it lightly, of course, though, it obviously is a big part of education and, you know, teaching children. Um, so I found it interesting that her past might be blending with her current role as a physical education. Uh, I believe she's actually made her way up to uh, the head of the physical education department at Appleby College. Um, so we're going to get into the interview in a bit. It's a pretty interesting one. It's definitely a little bit different than um, some that we've heard here on Win City Sports in the past. Again, it's a, a sport that we've never touched upon. So um, if you go back to the beginning, I did a lot of more unique uh, sports, I guess kind of like field hockey. Feel obviously, it's a national sport and uh, has been for a long time, or sorry, an Olympic sport. Um, but So we did more unique sports in regards to organizations here in Windsor, like ultimate frisbee and disc golf and stuff like that so during this interview it's a little bit of a learning process for me to learn about um, field hockey you know the sport itself how do you become successful how do you um, further your game how do you improve um, you know obviously even a sport here in Windsor such as let's say tennis uh, very popular sport but not as big in the city of Windsor so you know that again would be an interesting one. You know, how do you improve your your game here in Windsor, and where and how and why? 
maybe there's some people under the radar that I don't know about. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, I always talk about this around Olympic times too, is look at these Olympic sports and, you know, they've been part of the Olympics forever, but you don't see them as commonly in every city, every country and stuff like that. So it's interesting to to hear from these people about how they've trained, how they've been through the rankings of, of a sport like field hockey. And of course, Sharon tells some stories from back in the, the Olympic days in the 80s and 90s and Commonwealth Games, National Championships, obviously, all while telling her story about, you know, kind of growing up here, moving away, moving around uh, Ontario and, you know, finally landing uh, somewhere a little bit more secure where she's been with Appleby College in Oakville and I believe living in Cambridge for the last uh, almost 10 years. So we're going to jump into that interview uh, pretty much right now. I just want to tell you about Cedric's Combat Corner. If you don't know, Win City Sports presents Cedric's Combat Corner, a combat corner or sorry, combat podcast um, reviewing bouts from boxing, MMA, and beyond. Um, rather it be from the past or present, obviously right now there's not a lot to uh, review. So our host of the Combat Corner, Cedric Ben, he's one of Windsor's best boxing coaches. He's been doing some history fight studies, going back and reviewing some old fights, and he's also been doing some more interviews as well. And there's going to be more to come um, in the next few weeks. We have some we are producing right now, so there'll be some more videos on YouTube and as well on his podcast, the Cedric's Combat Corner podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere podcasts are found, and on YouTube as well. For the history fight studies, we've been syncing his commentary along with the fights and uh, posting them on YouTube, so it's a pretty cool thing, and unless they get taken down due to copyright reasons, we do have the backup on there as well as on his podcast, but in the future, who knows, I might bring some of those interviews to the Win City Sports podcast. Um, This week he had an interview with Mike Carter, who we do plan to have on uh, ourselves and kind of do one with him, but in the future, um, maybe throwing some of those on the show as well. So check out Cedric Ben's Combat Corner podcast on YouTube via Cedric Training Sports YouTube channel. But now without further ado, let's jump into that interview with field hockey player, former Olympian, Sharon Creelman. Here we go. So right now on the phone, we have a former Olympic field hockey player, Representing our home country of Canada, she went on to become a physical education teacher and coach for Appleby College in Oakville. Sharon Creelman, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you're the first uh, field hockey player I've ever interviewed. Uh, so okay. what's uh, what, what was your introduction to the sport? How did you kind of become aware of it or introduced to it in any way? Yeah, so I actually started playing uh, on the East Coast. So our family moved um, to the East Coast in New Brunswick. Uh, when we left Ontario, and at that time, I was actually uh, really just sort of playing ice hockey at the time. Uh, there was no uh, girls' hockey leagues out there, and uh, so it sort of by chance a little bit. As I got a little bit older, um, my mother was a little bit nervous about me playing hockey with the boys at that age, so uh, I had a teacher at the school I was at in outside of St. John actually introduced me to field hockey uh, in grade nine, and that's sort of where it all started. Hmm. Interesting. So was it popular enough out there on the East Coast, as you mentioned, growing up to gain that kind of crucial experience, or did you kind of move on to a higher level from there? Uh, I, I think a lot of it was just uh, really good fortune for me that uh, some of the people that were at the school, <clears throat> at the junior high school that I was at, were involved in field hockey, not only um, at the school level, but also at the provincial level. So I got a lot of I think a lot of opportunities very early to play uh, not only sort of school, but also then 
uh, be able to play sort of at the provincial level as well. Because mm-hmm. obviously it's similar to a sport that everyone is familiar with in Canada, but at the same time, it's still very unique to its own, uh, I would say at least. Um, so, yeah. you know, what kind of made you interested in it? Was it because it was a little bit different? Um, I think a lot of the a lot of the skills probably from ice hockey transferred because mm-hmm. I, I shot right-handed in ice hockey and field hockey is also all right-handed. Um, so some of the skills were pretty transferable, and I think, you know, if, I think when I, you know, when I look back now, if if my parents had allowed me to continue playing ice hockey at the time, it might have been sort of a different scenario. But uh, there was sort of limited sort of opportunity for girls, I guess, at that time. Mm-hmm. So uh, field hockey was something that um, I think suited me, and you know, a lot of good people certainly that. Um, I got introduced to early on, um, you know, and I had great coaching and as I said, great teammates to be able to sort of learn from. Mm-hmm. It seems like for your story, like you said, it was just kind of right place, right time. But um, for someone that's, again, not too familiar with like the popularity of it, was it more popular back then, kind of maybe across the country and it's declined over the years? Or what's your opinion on that, I suppose? Um, I, I don't know that it was more popular. I think there's pockets of it okay. in different parts in different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and for myself, as I said, with you know, with my, my initial coach being pretty involved in the provincial program, I was able to play with uh, a number of different age groups. Actually, so like at the age of 16, I was playing with the under 23 team, um, going to the Canada Games. So I had you know, some different kinds of exposure. So while there's not, you know, a lot of field hockey, I guess, but there, um, we're pretty competitive. So um, I was, instead, I would be the help. Really apply exactly. it, right? Yeah. Exactly. So let's, uh, let's talk about the sport a bit. For someone who might be completely unaware of field hockey, what would you tell them? Uh, it, I think it's probably a little bit soccer, like soccer with sticks for those that <laughs> sort of have to think about how the sort of the field and the positions uh, look. So your your ten field players plus your goalie uh, field um, 100 by 60. So a lot of lot of fitness involved in the sport as well as the technical aspects. Um, early 80s, uh, the the sport really transitioned from being a sport played on grass to now being played on artificial turf. Um, And we're seeing more and more school programs um, actually sort of get to that surface. And that has made a huge difference in terms of the quality of the skill level of the the athletes that we're turning out when you're playing on that kind of surface. Um, It would be sort of the equivalent of ice hockey playing on ice that never got great (laughs) never got a zamboni that's what's like playing field hockey on grass as opposed to playing on astroturf where the ball runs true and fast it just it's a much much nicer game to play gotcha so uh, obviously the like all sports have evolved with the the turf fields and all that stuff but do you think it's kind of you know since we have this uh this um this field let's try and utilize it as much as possible and bring some more sports in and one could be field hockey Absolutely. Um, and, you know, the AstroTurf, the AstroTurf field, I think, has, um, it's created some challenges, I think, for some people because, the, yeah. you know, the cost up front for a lot of people um, is really challenging. But over the course of, you know, that 10 or 12 years of the lifetime of that surface, um, you know, the, the rental and all that sort of thing. But it's, it's just a surface that allows 
um, the growth of the athlete technically to be completely different than what you would get on a on a grass surface. Yeah, yeah, and everyone like every turf is kind of different too, right? You gotta kind of find the right one, I suppose. Yeah, so there is there is turf that is more field hockey specific, and you know for the for people that don't know the sport, um, the international standard for field hockey turf, it, you actually water it. Um, so it's 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 a turf product that allows you to actually have a watering system and that actually takes a lot of the friction down off the ball um and the ball actually it's almost like a hydroplane that's the best way to describe it so the ball moves and doesn't pick up spin like it would on say a dry turf or a field turf where there's sort of not as many fibers and the ball will sit down so the the field is very specific at the higher levels um makes it a little more expensive for a lot of um, people to put in a lot of schools or provincial programs, that type of thing. But um, it's it's the very best surface to be able to, to play the game on. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure as you get higher levels, all that stuff is kind of regulated, right? Like every team has to have the same size, same type, whatever it is, because that's kind of the league uh, regulations or whatever, right? Yeah. So, you know, players nowadays playing sort of at the provincial level uh, will play um, almost exclusively exclusively on this water-based turf. Um, you'll still see, obviously, in some of the schools, and it's certainly true even in, in our independent school uh, loop, that we have some schools that have, you know, a variation of AstroTurf or a turf field, while others are still relying on grass fields because that's what sort of is the surface at their school. So it's still pretty mixed. Uh, more yeah. people, I think, are finding the benefit, not just for field hockey, but as a multi-use surface to be able to put you know, one of these turfs um, on the grounds for the, for the kids to use, and certainly field hockey is one of those sports that benefits from it. Mm-hmm. So what are some differences and maybe similarities in field hockey against, like, ice hockey and maybe even other sports? Like you said, you compared it to soccer in a way. And uh, what was the whole – so all the sticks are right-handed in field hockey? All the sticks are right-handed. So, you know, that that's a little bit off-putting for some people when they first come. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting because – the best, the best player on my team this year actually shoots left when she plays ice hockey for my school. So yeah. being left-handed is actually not a disadvantage in terms of being able to play the ball on your right side, but all the sticks are right-handed. So, um, But in terms of uh, positioning on the field, you can could, you could see it similar to soccer in terms of you know forward, midfield, back line, that type of thing. Um, but the speed of the game, um, I would say it's closer to something um, like hockey, where the, the speed of the ball, and because of the size of it and that sort of thing, it probably looks a little bit more like a, a bigger ice hockey game, I guess, played on after Yeah, yeah it, it is pretty crazy to see, though, for people that haven't seen it out there. Uh, <laughs> it's an interesting sport, for sure. And I want to talk about like you, kind of more your playing career, I suppose. So obviously, you made it to the Olympic team. Um, yeah. You, you have to kind of own your stride in that level of play outside of that realm, no matter what sport it is. Uh, so you're a part yeah. of other national teams as well, obviously, but um, to even end up there, how are players like recruited and from where? Is there like other leagues? I know actually you were playing at the college level as well, so that may have been what kind of yeah. uh, got you in. Yeah, so uh, when, I, when I left high school in New Brunswick, I actually started university at the University of New Brunswick, um, but I was only there for a very short period of time. Uh, part of the reason was um, I realized, I guess at a very young age, that I probably needed um, stronger players around
around me to train with. And so I transferred um, after my sort of first six months at UNB to York University, where our national coach uh, was based. So um, it was pretty intentional to sort of put myself in front of her every day um, because then there's no days off. <laughs> she sees she sees everything. So um, th- that was a, that was an important move for me as a young player. I think to be able to, um, in my own development, be sort of seen and coached every day by the top coach in the country. So um, you know, nowadays we see more and more of our top players, unfortunately, going to the U.S. to play in the NCAA. But in the sort of in the '80s. Um, the coaching certainly here in this country and uh, in, this, in this province rivaled anything that was south of the border. So we didn't have a lot of we didn't have a lot of our top athletes at all at that time hmm. leaving to go south, which is something that we see a lot more of now. Yeah, I see what you're saying, and you would you would assume that Canada would be would have a strong uh, strong field hockey sense, of course. But uh, was like college university the like the highest level? Uh, for us, it was so we uh, most of our national team at that time. Uh, when I first started playing, uh, probably about eighty percent were still within um, the university ranks. Within at that time, it was CIU, now CIS, um, with a few that had sort of graduated and were playing either with club programs or with um, just with their provincial programs. So it, it doesn't have, I think, the layers of infrastructure that we're used to seeing maybe in a sport like soccer mm-hmm. or hockey. So uh, as mentioned, you were in three Olympic Games and many World Cup championships, Pan Am Games, all that stuff. Uh, so more yeah. specifically right now for the Olympic Games, 84, 88, 92, being able to go to L.A., Seoul, and Barcelona, what are some memories from your Olympic experiences? Um, you know, I think back to, you know, walking into the opening ceremonies in L.A., and I think particularly in team sports, you never know if you're ever going to get the chance to come back and do something like this again. So I think it was a pretty awesome moment to walk into the opening ceremonies and sort of um, understand exactly uh, sort of what what our group had accomplished, even uh, qualifying to get there initially. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, the tournaments itself, once you get to the games, things go pretty fast and furious um, with, with the competition. But um, when you have, the, you know, the best teams in the world, um, you know, at their best, it's, it's a pretty amazing experience. And it's, uh, it's hard to believe that there were three of those, and it feels like a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Like you said, even just to make it to one, and then every four years, it... At, Thinking about it at the time, it feels long, but thinking back, four years is nothing. So I'm sure it came quickly uh, as it happened. But again, just being able to represent your country is something that, you know, it's uncanny. There's there's not much you can really um, say at the same time. I'm sure it was a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, and the, uh, the qualification uh, for the Olympics uh, in 84... Uh, was done by uh, was done by a committee. So there were only six teams that actually qualified for the '84 Olympics, and uh, the reason we actually qualified was the previous year at the at the World Championships we so, we we won the silver medal, which for us was completely sort of unexpected in some ways because we went into that tournament ranked 10th, and uh, we I think surprised a lot of teams at that event. And when we came home with the silver medal that sort of bumped our sort of ranking, I guess. 
and because prior to that tournament, we would not have qualified um, for the Olympics. So that that was huge for us. Um, obviously, even to medal at the World Championships, that was the first time that it happened for Canadian field hockey, either men or women, at a world at the World Championship level. Um, and then, you know, moving into Seoul, we had uh, won a bronze medal at the 86 World Championships, and that was, um, again, part of the qualification process for us to get through. So it, it literally takes almost three years to get yourself to each of the events uh, to qualify for the next Olympics. So everything sort of has to fall into place uh, almost perfectly in that sort of cycle of four years for you to actually get through. Yeah, and it seems like that's happened to you a lot throughout your uh, career life, I suppose. Um, but I was, that's actually where I was going to go to next was, uh, you know, um, the championships, so it's winning some stuff. So uh, with yourself yeah. on the national team, aside from the uh, World Cup or World Championship, as you had mentioned, uh, 91 as well, the Pan Am Games. I'm sure those those titles have to be uh, some awesome memories for you that stick out. Yeah, we were, we were uh, fortunate. I was always very fortunate, I think, in that sort of, 12, 13 year time, to, I mean, to play on some very good teams. And so, you know, the, the opportunities in terms of some of the events that we were qualifying for, uh, there used to also be an event in Europe called the Champions Trophy, and that was held um, in the years uh, just after the Olympics. And so, so the top six teams in the world would be, um, would be at that event. So again, you know, you're always playing the best teams in the world. You're not playing sort of lower ranked teams. So we had to play the best teams almost all the time to keep that to keep that ranking, uh, to keep ourselves in in the events that were going to get us qualified for the next Olympics. So, um, you know, the Pan Am Games was certainly you know big for us. The '87 was the first year women's field hockey was in the Pan Am Games. The men had played at the Pan Am Games in prior Pan Am Games, but for us that was the first time it was in. It was not an Olympic qualifier. It was for the men. The first time it was. Uh, used as an Olympic qualifier, I think it was 95. So the event for us was sort of a standalone um, competition. But, um, yeah, those all those all those kind of competitions were you know, an amazing experience. Absolutely. And everything is vital, and it, it contributes towards where you're going to next. And shortly uh, after you stopped playing, you stepped into a coaching role with the Canadian junior team in the late 90s. So was that kind of your first experience with coaching or maybe at that level? Uh, I had coached um, when I finished uh, my eligibility, when I finished playing at York, I, I stayed on as an assistant coach and I had the opportunity to work with the, the national coach and also the assistant national coach at York. So that was a fantastic learning experience. And then when I retired from playing, I coached at the University of Waterloo. And it was in that time that I was at the University of Waterloo that I was doing some provincial coaching, but also um, was appointed the junior national coach and was in that role for six or seven years, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was helping you kind of set up your career in teaching in a way, specifically through uh, physical education, right? Yeah, and, you know, I, I went, while I was at the University of Waterloo, you know, there was, you know, I at, at one point sort of thought I would stay within the university world. I had sort of done a little bit of teaching um prior to going to the university. Uh, but, you know, I think when I sort of look back, the decision to leave the University of Waterloo and to go sort of back into teaching uh, was a good one for me in the end because I, I still every day get to, to work with great kids. Um, but I also had missed 
sort of the teaching aspect that uh, I wasn't doing at the university. Mm-hmm. So obviously that was a goal for you. That's what you wanted to do for uh, for a living, really. Yeah, I mean, I think initially, you know, I, I considered, you know, staying uh, within the national coaching sort of world and, you know, maybe uh, sort of make a run at sort of being a coach full-time. There wasn't a lot of opportunity, sort of, certainly even in the 90s, for that to happen. There there wasn't a lot of, um, a lot of coaching, uh, I guess, resources, a lot of money at that point. Uh, so it was a little, probably would have been a little bit risky to sort of stay and sort of do that. But uh, I've I really sort of enjoyed my time at Appleby and certainly no regrets about, you know, the change in career. And I've, you know, I've had a wonderful experience, you know, coaching obviously much younger kids, but um, in some ways, you know, I've worked with right from, you know, grade seven and eights right up to, you know, grade 12s. Uh, so you're actually getting to teach the kids uh, field hockey for the very first time. Some of their first exposures, you know, to the game are, you know, your time with them. So that, that's been a great experience as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, actually, is when you got into just specifically teaching in regards to physical, physical education, if you incorporated uh, field hockey as much as you could, given that a lot of kids aren't exposed to it. Yeah, for sure. I teach it in my classes. Uh, We teach the boys at our school field hockey as well because uh, we're fortunate to have one of those water-based turfs at the school, so they have a great great surface to learn on. But uh, we have have three teams at our school right now that that play, and it's uh, it's a great sort of sport for girls that, you know, if they haven't played before, everybody's starting it for the very first time. Uh, either in say grade seven or eight or nine it's not like some of sports where you know if you're trying to pick it up when you're in grade nine and a lot of the kids that you're playing with have been playing it for four or five years already it it's it's a little bit tougher for them so the field hockey scene out there is probably pretty similar to rest of the province uh oakville um sort of the oakville burlington uh corridor is pretty active there's a lot of uh good high school programs um and then also uh, in this area as well, up in the sort of the Kitchener Waterloo area, they've had a lot of lot of tremendous success in the high school programs here. Mm-hmm. Okay, because it's, it's honestly not too big here, and I figured that out in the Toronto area it would be just given the population first off, uh, the and how big hockey is and and sports in general. Yeah, so there's um, the boys. There there is a fair bit of men's field hockey. It's it's basic. It's based in the club programs whereas the girls are in the school. So the girls have a little bit of advantage, I think, in that it's, um, you know, in the in the high schools, in the universities, whereas the boys um, operate more in, in a club program scenario. Gotcha, that's cool. Well, it sure seems like you love what you're doing now after a, a career of playing the sport and now being able to coach and teach. Yeah, definitely too old to play. <laughs> <laughs> the body doesn't let that happen very often anymore, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really fortunate at the school that I'm at that, you know, the program, field hockey is, you know, a well-respected program at school, get some great kids to come out and play, and uh, being able to play on a, you know, a world-class surface um, to be able to teach them on it, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good gig. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and you're kind of giving back in a way, too, as you mentioned, you were able to be around those high-level coaches from the beginning, now just thinking, you have an Olympian coaching, you know, the sport that she played, so that's got to be vital to the kids. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, 
interesting to sort of see how the game has also developed a little bit over the last even 15 or 20 yeah. years. The skills that the kids are are learning um, now that this is the, sort of the first generation of of kids who have grown up only on astroturf fields. Um, most of us in my generation started on grass, and then you know we we transitioned onto turf. So these kids, when they're sort of first coming to the sport, they're learning um, on that surface. So their their skill development, particularly at a young age, um, just is accelerated to where probably we were at that age. It's fantastic. And to kind of wrap it up, uh, you were born in Windsor. I know you didn't live here too long. Maybe you took off to the uh, East Coast pretty quick. But do you have any memories of here? Do you ever uh, make your way back? Uh actually haven't been back in a while. Um, I remember the street I lived on. I lived on Longfellow. Um, I could probably remember my phone number, but I don't remember the house (laughs) number. But um, I have great memories of of the time. I think we were, I think I was nine when we left there. Um, But I can, I can always remember the the road hockey games on our street. And that was, that was very typical of our, our, our neighborhood and our community was road hockey um, out in front of all the houses. So it, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great place to grow up. That's funny you say that. The two memories I have of Longfellow are where that's my grandma lived for a little bit and going to my buddies to play road hockey. So that's oh, pretty that funny right? to wrap yeah, up. They yeah, were, they were huge road hockey games from everybody up and down that street. Yeah. That's funny. So some things haven't changed, obviously. And uh, There we go. That's, that's good to hear. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks again for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And thanks again for the reschedule. Thanks again to Sharon for taking the time to chat with me on the phone a little while back after dealing with the Toronto traffic, uh, of course, pre-pandemic as well. So, you know, it was pretty uh, pretty tough back then uh, to get through that, get back home to Cambridge and chat with me on the phone for a pretty interesting conversation about, again, a sport that I wanted to learn a bit about myself and someone that I wanted to learn about from, from here in Windsor. Um, and an Olympian, you know, so a lot of these times, um, and especially with some interviews coming up, sometimes you, depending on the person, how much information is out there about them, you don't know. Uh, it did state that she was born in Windsor, but, you know, obviously got to learn that she didn't spend a ton of time here. And, and even funny enough, actually, um, I just remember this, uh, I got to try to find people online. I sent an email to uh, Sharon Creelman, who is an author, who fired back to me pretty quickly and said, you know, uh, thanks for reaching out, Drake, but, you know, Believe it or not, I'm not the Sharon Creelman that you're looking for. There's another one out there, same name, um, in Toronto as well. She was in, in Toronto from Canada, so what are the odds of that? Um, so I reached out to her and was like, oh, well, thanks anyway. <laughs> so that was a little funny story, I guess. But, um, yeah, again, thanks for, to Sharon for taking the time to do that, getting some more unique stuff on here and spicing it up a little bit. We were doing a lot of hockey, and uh, we're going to continue to do so, of course, and including all these uh, unique uh, kind of sports like field hockey. So thanks again to Sharon. And we have a little bit of, of sports news uh, to go through. And we'll start off with the hockey news, I suppose. Um, the Erie Otters have signed Tecumseh native and defenseman Spencer Sova to a standard OHL player agreement. The 16-year-old was playing for Detroit Honeybaked upon the draft. I believe we talked to him prior to the draft. It looks like his parents excuse me, moved over to Michigan a while back for... Uh, work, uh, you know, obviously he was born over here, probably in Windsor, living in Tecumseh, and moved out to the Detroit area where he uh, started his hockey career. 
Um, a little bit more hockey news in regards to our Windsor Spitfires. Defenseman Thomas Stevenson, he finished his junior career with the Spitfires uh, just this past season. Uh, he's going to be playing for Queen's Golden Gales in the 2020-21 season in uh, the OUA, so he'll be going to Queen's University. Similar to recent guests Cole Perbu and many other OHL alumni, Stevenson has uh, taken what I call the smart route by using his education package to kind of build himself, um, you know, and still play hockey, maybe go pro and then have an education to kind of, I don't want to say fall back on in, in meaning like if you don't make it in hockey, then you can go, <laughs> you know, do your nine to five, but it's always good to get education and have, um, have a side gig, you know, um, we have a little bit more news uh, here. If you guys missed it on, on Twitter, the Lancers are also doing some cool stuff by reliving some highlights from the last 10 years, but not just um, you know specific moments. They're streaming old games, so they'll put out a poll of four games. You know, For example, men's hockey versus Rams uh, 2013, whatever. Women's volleyball versus Lakehead from this year. Like they'll put out four options like that, and whoever gets the most votes, they stream live. Um, I believe, I guess, on OUA.tv. Uh, so that's a cool thing that they're reliving some of their championship games and stuff like that as well. Similar to a lot of teams that are uh, doing similar things. And uh, one more recent piece of, of news that was actually dropped right after recorded last week, but it was on the Win City Sports Radio Show. The Seattle Seahawks have finally finally made the re-signing of LaSalle tight end Luke Wilson official returning to where it all started for him and where he won a Super Bowl championship so congratulations to Luke on finalizing his contract with the Seattle Seahawks in the, in the NFL but that's it this week on Win City Sports a uh, pretty quick one my name is Drake Demore, and I'm here every Thursday with a brand new episode of the podcast and radio show the radio show airs live on CJAM 99.1 FM every Thursday at 12.30 and replays on Tuesdays at 8, even during this pandemic. And you can, um, if you miss it, you can catch it on cjam.ca. And then here on the podcast, you can listen to anytime. New episodes drop every Thursday morning on wincitysports.com or any podcast platform, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and of course, wherever you're listening to it right now. Uh, give us a subscribe or a review on whatever you may use and give us a like or follow on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, what's the other one? Facebook? At WinCity underscore sports is our handle if you're ever trying to find us. WinCity is all one word, W-I-N-C-I-T-Y, as well as our WinCity Sports YouTube channel. Search us up on YouTube. we got some cool videos on there, and uh, hopefully more to come. we got to get some more content up there as well. And uh, you can follow me, Drake Demore, on Twitter and Instagram, at Drake Demore. But until next week, smell you later.